Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Right, guys, welcome in hour number two here on The Grid. It is SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez here with you as... Uh, we continue to push along in the world of sports as uh, plenty of information beginning to come out here with uh, some of the if, when, how, why, who are we looking at, all of the uh, questions surrounding uh, about when we're going to get sports back. We talked about some of those, uh, some of the knowledge that we've been given and kind of the blueprint last hour about how we're going to get back to some assembly to normally and getting us our uh, sports back, Dane. And it's a uh, it, it, when you think about it, it's pretty simple formula. It's nice being able to hear it, but it's perfect the testing, right? create the locations, yep. and execute the season and do whatever you need to do. So there's, it's not really rocket science here. We, we know what needs to happen now, and we do have, obviously, a window of opportunity over the next couple of months to get that in order for us to get football college and NFL, uh, get us, um, you know, get us our uh, NBA playoffs and, and crown a champion, Major League Baseball getting it going. There is a path for all of this. And listen, optimist that we are, Dane, it is going to be absolute craziness oh, yeah. in the fall in this country if you've got everything going, and, and we're going to continue to assume that we are because that's how we like to look at things here. But Dane, would you consider what, September, October, November, and December, yeah. which is usually, even on its own, crazy. Ready, right. I can't even, Dane, I can't even imagine what's, uh, what's going to take place here. It's going to be absolute craziness. So here's the thing, right, and we've talked about this before, like late September, early October, there is already all the sports coming together, right? When football gets going, Major League Baseball, playoffs, NBA and NHL starting their seasons. That's what usually happens in around September, October. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to have kind of the, the majors in golf. You're going to have yep. college football going on. And you mentioned it at the beginning, at the end of the last segment. You know, there's, there's, there's complications here, right? Yep. So like CBS, for example, which puts on the Masters, but also plays the SEC Game of the Week. What are they going to televise that Saturday? Right. You know, you talk about Fox that may have a pushback Major League Baseball playoffs and NFL football going on, right? So it's very, very interesting. I also joked with you, I looked at that weekend, Joe, mm -hmm. that they're putting the Masters to, right, in November. And yeah, also in the state of Georgia, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are hosting the Tennessee Volunteers that weekend. That's correct. And you know this, Joe. You, people are struggling to find hotel rooms within an hour drive of Augusta That's uh, for, for the Masters, right? And so people book these things well in advance. So whether it's television, whether it's uh, hotel space, whether it's getting tickets or being double booked, there are all sorts of other details that need to get ironed out. And I'm sure they will. But yeah. yeah, when we have kind of a dearth of sports happening right now, mm -hmm. we're going to be flooded with it this fall. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be very interesting. Still a lot of questions still to be determined, obviously. With, uh, but, but when you're going to have the Ryder Cup and all the majors happen, even I don't even know how they're going to work in the FedEx you know, Cup championship and that tens of millions of dollars that's on it's the line there. going on at the same time. Yes, yes. <laughs> And how do you even qualify to get into, you know, there are tournaments, obviously, that qualify to get to the Masters and those types of things. So there's, there's a lot of how do you pick a Ryder Cup team based upon what? I mean, there's a lot of questions, the if, ands, or buts. But the truth is, if it all goes well, then it's going to be crazy. Certainly from a fan standpoint, you may be quarantined again there, uh, sports fans, where you're not going to want to leave the house, like at all. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like you're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna just uh, tune in, pull up a chair, and you will gladly uh, sit in the house and have no problem there watching, uh, watching what's gonna go on. And we're not talking just run of the mill. Hey, it's a oh. Tuesday night. <laughs> we're talking right. NBC is gonna have to decide between showing Wimbledon, yeah, exactly. or showing the Priestess, <laughs> or showing a Notre Dame game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> crazy when you think about it. But you know what? Good problem to have, and I'm sure the networks uh, won't mind. The sponsors won't mind. Nobody will have a problem there. 
And also, let us not forget, we just learned, and this is interesting too, Dane, Hard Knocks, of course, is uh, always a yearly favorite of folks there as the camera crews get to follow uh, an NFL team uh, throughout the whole process of training camp and whatnot. And we know, I mean, last year was the Raiders, I believe, right, with the whole, uh, the whole Gruden and Antonio Brown debacle, which made for great television. But what we figured out, and training camps usually start at the end of, this, of, of the summer here, Dane, and what we figured out, uh, or what they just told us, is that it's kind of a double dose of fun. We're not going to get just one Hard Knocks team. We're going to get, what, two? Is that correct? Yeah. That's what I've heard. Reports are out now that HBO will have two teams featured in Hard Knocks. I don't know if that means two different series or in the one they're going to try and highlight both teams, maybe teams that have joint practices against each other. Well, it makes sense as it's being so, released. Yeah, I, I get it now that I'm reading it. It's the Rams and Chargers. Ah, well, there you go. Makes that total makes sense. sense. I love things that make sense. That makes <laughs> sense. But then they're going to have to do a whole storyline. We talked about will that stadium be ready and what's interesting joe you know the rams were one of the teams that were highlighted only a few years ago yes, when they made the move from st louis to california they were highlighted already right and so i think that's interesting they're going back to the well and and i think it does make sense maybe because those two teams will be literally kind of together probably yep. training or staring for the same kind of stadium we'll have some of the same issues right at play so i do think that's interesting i was hoping i didn't know the teams were kind of announced already i don't so. think we got and it, there was the criteria too to become an hbo right like right. you, you and one of them was that you couldn't have done it before and the rams certainly have done before did they so, did yeah, they they absolutely did joe it was the time when they were moving their franchise they absolutely ah, that's correct yes Remember Yes. Jared Goff didn't know about dinosaurs or something That's like that. It was yep. absolutely yep. Uh, the Rams have been used. And so remember. 2016, and that was Jeff Fisher's last year. Yep. I think that was the yep. year when he, yeah, when he moved it. You're right. All yep. for desperate measures, all yep. right? And so if they're going to break whatever the requirements are, because, you know, they got to figure out what makes the best product for a television. I was hoping that it could be some other team, right? I was hoping that maybe we'd see Tom Brady in a new, uh, in a yeah. new place, you know, uh, in Tampa or some of these other teams that have had yep. big-time moves. But, you know, this makes sense, and I'll watch it, whoever it is. Yeah, and, I mean, when you look at the who's appeared on this show, and, again, when we said there's, there's a certain formula about who gets a pass and who doesn't, uh, the Rams, you're right, this will be their second time. First time for the Chargers, they've never yeah. been on. The Bengals and Cowboys are already teams that have been on twice as well. So now okay. the Rams, Cincinnati, and, um, and uh, right. Dallas will have been featured twice in its, uh, uh, in its career here. The Raiders were last year, and I think it serves great purpose to just take it out. They're going to be joint practices. You Makes can sense. carry two storylines there. Sean McVay and the Rams, and of course, and uh, Anthony Lynn now and the New yep. Look Chargers. Um, I would absolutely, uh, especially you're talking about the Chargers with the number six pick. Who's going to be that draft pick? Could you imagine if they go up and get themselves a two or a Herbert or somebody along those lines? Then all of a sudden now that becomes even sure. better must-watch television with a uh, with the rookie quarterback. So, or if they um, sign Cam. Right, right. Yes. You know, that yep. would also be huge. Yep. You know, there's plenty of storylines for these teams. I could already see, you know, the Rams moving on from Gurley. Uh, what happens with some of these guys, whether it's Daryl Henderson, yeah. Malcolm Brown, or what have you. Um, and, and with the Chargers, you know, whoever is the quarterback there, whether it's Tarod, yes, or it's someone they bring in via the draft or free agency, I think it will be very interesting. It's interesting. And, I, you know, listen, there are a couple of things in that show, Dane, where you could say no, some exclusions, right? So yeah. if, if you had been to the playoffs in the prior two years, you could have said no. If you have a first-year head coach or have appeared on the show in the previous 10 years, you could have said no. But what makes this interesting with the Rams is we've got two teams, brand-new stadium, new location, trying to gather fans, trying to get right. people in. You got a new logo, right? I mean, you, you got new merchandising. So, like, you're doing everything in your power to kind of get yourself ready to go here and be able to promote it. So... It makes sense. We get two for the price of one as fans, and I'm pretty sure, Dane, by that time, we're going to be so jonesing for anything that relating to, you know, real-life sports that we can get involved with. I think it's going to be um, 
I think it's going to be an awful lot of fun. And I do think it, it's funny, Dane, the ratings, I'm going to be so interested in seeing when some of these things get back. We know how much baseball means to cable companies and to communities throughout the country. 162 games fills a lot of content, Dane, a lot of TV time there for a lot of people, which is why it's a trillion-dollar industry, is because when you have 900 channels and a cable company, you got to be able to fill them with something. So baseball provides that certainly on a local level. So I'm wondering, Dane, if baseball can go back even without fans, right? I'm wondering the ratings of what some of these events. We already know with WrestleMania, the highest, the highest of all of them ever, ever. And by the way, that includes going back in the late 80s when they first had it, when you didn't have any competition. This still garnered more people watching it this, uh, this past weekend than ever before. I got to believe the draft. And then I got to believe there's going to be a lot of sports, Dane, that are going to see such an increase in, in eyeballs and revenue and advertising. I do think this, uh, a lot of new fans of sports are going to get hooked early this year as soon as it starts coming back. Because don't, we don't know how many fans are going to be rushing to get back to a stadium. Exactly. And that's what we, I've been saying kind of the whole time, that mm-hmm. now these fans that aren't going to go... Yep person they will still watch and the, the sports fan is is hungry right now is craving whatever they can get joe if they will watch nba players playing video games against each other they will certainly watch the nfl draft they'll certainly watch hard knocks you know all or nothing is another series on amazon prime that chronicles <laughs> a team and i do think you know another thing that makes sense is they can start now joe mm-hmm. getting their footage of like construction of the stadium right yeah. or what it looks like as these teams prepare for the draft even so having it known this early they can start you know they can start getting that footage that they need you uh it's going to be an interesting next couple of months and we take it day by day but certainly as we can get a little normalcy back and start to get the sports back into the limelight and and distraction dane which it has always been i think is a good uh is a good term for it that uh people will at the very least which is why they're consuming you know when you have that many people watching wrestlemania that was already taped that everybody already knows and there were leaks all over the place and that that kind of thing along those lines but when you have that many people consuming it and you got a guy like uh like joe exotic which please tell me you have started to watch not yet oh my god come on brother you check out the the tiger king at some they just announced and and this has never happened before yeah don't forget this is a documentary that was filmed over five years right right right, so this is not this wasn't anything new but they have actually sent, they're releasing next week, Dane, okay. a follow-up episode to what the documentary was to kind of do a okay. where are they now kind of thing. Like, I, in, they're in jail with them. Like, all of the things that, that are going there, that, too, is going to be a million times watched. It's going to be, you got to get yourself Tiger King. Get right. it in there this weekend before that episode comes out because it's going to be uh, – all the rage there. But think about it. If you had a choice, yeah. if you had WrestleMania on, if you had, if you had something consistent that you could watch uh, during the week in the yeah. world of sports, and I don't care what it, outside of video games, though, of course, um, you're probably consuming it one way or the other, aren't you? Absolutely. And that's why there is this rush to see how we could produce something. You even talked about you know, kind of uh, getting back to the idea of the Tiger vs. Phil showdown, yes. right? And some of these other things that can happen. I've been saying it for a while. It's about what can be produced for the entertainment audience, not at the risk of health, right? But, but, but people here, they, they need something to come back to. Sports are a part of the fabric of this country for normalcy. And it's just a delicate balance, right? It really is. Back too soon. But at the same time, you want to uh, feed the appetite of America and the sports fans. So figuring out what it can be. That's why we've said this NFL draft is going to be such a big deal. They've come out and said, Joe, that it's going to be, quote unquote, fully virtual, whatever that means. I don't care what it means, but if it's on TV, I'm going to tune in. (laughs) Exactly correct. Were you a fan? We got a chance to talk about it, but the idea of having the, um, we know NBA, ESPN, we're talking about doing like a horse tournament with individual players at... They're in own individual gyms, locations where they kind of tie them in where, and we've all played horse, guys, the ability to, 
I made a move, made a shot, you go and go around along those lines. Um, I, I love the idea. I think that's absolutely something um, we should be doing regardless of what uh, eventually comes. Uh, I think that would be for fantastic television as well. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's what we're talking about, right? We have to be creative right. in different ways. I mean, Joe, I am literally like having Zoom and Skype and FaceTime kind of opportunities with friends and family, yep. right? And we're trying to figure out what games we can play as a community together over Skype. Yep. You know, can we, by the way, you can play blackjack. Um, and, and, and what can we do together, right? And, and this is no different. So sure, if you want to get some players together in their mm -hmm. own backyards, playing horse or having a three-point shooting contest, or a dunk contest, like these are things that are possible that and whatever great. you could put out there, I'm, I'm willing to consume. That would be so cool though to be, and then the question is who? You know, who do you have doing playing horse and how do you handicap that? Because I gotta believe the books would be all over that day and trying to figure out who, what, where and how. I mean, if you had a, you know, Zion, if you had, you know, John Morant, if you oh. had a lot of the rookies do it, you know? Um, the possibilities are endless. And they're still talking about having something like that over the next couple of weeks here in the month of April. I think that would be tremendous. Uh, Major League Baseball even talked about doing a home run derby, um, having individual guys at, at individual, um, you know, parks and stadiums doing the same type of thing. Again, fantastic. I would have no problem doing that. And I think it would just go to show you the uh, and I think you know, Dane, if they come up with this test sooner rather than later, I definitely think that we'll probably get a lot of that or at least a couple of those types of events, Phil versus Tiger, yeah. leading up to the actual you know start of, of anything. I, I do think we'll get it and kind of getting people ready for the eventual return of sport. One can only hope, but man, I would I would watch any of those types of events all day long, no problem. Listen. NBA players, right? Mm -hmm. You said it. They can't just get dropped into an arena and right. start in the playoffs. They're going to have to get back into shape, right? Yep. So what do you think it looks like anyway for, uh, oh, I don't know, Trey Young to get back into shape? He's probably hoisting up hundreds of three-pointers a day. Yep. Why don't we film it and build a contest around it? That's exactly correct, guys. I mean, so much possibility here. And I love the fact that at least – They've considered it. I know there won't be a problem getting players involved to do it. I'm sure they're itching right now, Dane, to be able to get out there and they're get it going. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey guys, welcome back in here. Now the early line on the grid. It is sportsgrid.com. He is Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. As uh, we take a look here ahead and push ahead, we got the draft coming up, of course, uh, in the NFL just a couple of weeks away. Not as much misdirection, Dane, as I, I thought there might be here uh, leading up to it as far as, oh, I really love a guy, and then, of course, they don't really love a guy, and a lot of question marks around some guys and not. Um, there are a couple of things in this draft, I think, that have remained consistent. And, you know, one of the things I'm hearing down here in Miami, in fact, and obviously them sitting at number five, uh, everyone seems to think that they are going to go quarterback of some sort. And the real question is, well, all right, which one? And who's going to be left? And are they willing to let somebody leapfrog them in order to go get the one they want, and are you okay with whoever's left? Um, but a lot of guys have been pointing out down here how eerily quiet it has been about Justin Herbert in Miami. And we've heard about Tua, right? We know the, the fascination with Tua on a lot of teams, but Miami had reached out before everything got shut down. Their first interview they wanted was with Tua. But it's been kind of pointed out that the media has kind of put this cloud over Herbert as if he's not going to get better. Like, he is what he is, guys. He's an Oregon quarterback. He's just, you know, he's no good. And it's, uh, you know, he's just be ready. You know, he doesn't never take a, a snap under center. They've kind of laid this thing out where the ceiling for Herbert is not what it is for, I don't know, let's say 
um, you know, love. I mean, so, I mean, love everyone's like, oh, my God, the ceiling is going to be, well, sure. why? Like, what? why him and not? I mean, Herbert literally went his junior and senior year, had zero weapons. They're a run-first team, right, that did not take advantage of his legs or any of the things that he does well. His only and most reliable wide receiver was a tight end who ended up getting hurt his senior year. Like, when you look at what Herbert was put into and still what he managed to accomplish, Somehow the idea that that can't improve at the next level, a lot of guys are starting to scratch their head and go, that's, it's just a false narrative that, you know, like somehow a Utah State quarterback, the sky is the limit, but for, because he's from Oregon, in a run first and one of the worst, you know, quarterback coaches to me in Mario Cristobal with the way they run, never took any risk, didn't, didn't do anything except for that last Rose Bowl game that showed him and allowed him to use his legs and torch Wisconsin, basically. Um, it's a false narrative, and a lot of guys are saying, do not be fooled that if the quarterback, the first quarterback to go off the board might be Burrow, yes. But they think, don't, maybe the Chargers or somebody else, do not be surprised if two is not on the board, come number five. Miami might not have to do anything because a lot of people feel the lack of talk about Herbert means there is going to be a couple of teams might be willing to go up and get them. Yeah. And the other thing, you remember, you started talking about like a team to leapfrog Miami. Yeah. If, you know, if they are, them being the Dolphins, if they are satisfied or happy with Justin Herbert, they're at five, then they probably won't have to make a move anyway, right? Because even if a team does go up, let's say, and trades with Detroit or trades with the Giants, we all think it's going to be to go and get Tua. So maybe they can stand pat. Yep. And, and wind up having a guy that they feel very comfortable about and like uh, right there at five. In that scenario, it would be the Chargers potentially left holding the bag, and they may turn to someone like Jameis or Cam. Yep. We shall see. But listen, Joe, we are still in smokescreen central time, right? Yep. Like, who knows? And I, I think it's astute that you point out the idea that they're not talking a lot about Herbert. So Nobody. Maybe. It's amazing. <laughs> and that's what the yep. kind of is always said, you know, some, that's what a smoke screen is. Yep. You talk a lot about one and you really then zig when everyone is expecting you to zag. Joe, our uh, friends over at FanDuel, mm -hmm. I'd like to ask you how you would then play this, right? Because right. our friends at FanDuel have literally um, kind of over-unders okay. on pick for all those quarterbacks. Okay, and there's been some movement in this. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, about a week ago, we saw a line for Tua and over and under at like pick two and a half. Okay, uh, that's not pick three and a half. That's correct. Okay, so the question is, will someone trade up with Detroit, or maybe the idea that you know um, teams are souring on the idea of you know going up that far to get him? And then when you talk about Justin Herbert, right, his uh, prop bet in essence is pick five and a half. Oof. Right between the Dolphins and the Chargers. Right? So what I think is 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 Oof. kind of what I the tea leaves that I read in that is just what you're talking about, Joe. Yep. Maybe the Dolphins that you know to hang this as the total. Maybe there is buzz that Herbert could go earlier than we think. And we talked about it before. I believe it was on yesterday's show, Joe. You know, Tua in Alabama with the SEC quarterbacks, right? Yep. Tua had the luxury of, in essence, an NFL offensive line in front of him the whole time. Yep. The luxury of first-round talent at wide receiver on both sides of, as wide receivers. A defense that is filled with studs. Now, does Oregon have the same kind of thing to, in essence, make Herbert look good? Yep. I think you also made a great point that he used his legs in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin, and that was something we hadn't necessarily seen. Yep. Maybe he does have more skills in the tool belt than people think. But, Joe, you and I have for months said that we liked uh, the potential at the next level of Justin Herbert. We yep. were a little warmer on him than a lot of others out there. I just, yes, I, I and to me, you, you'd said it, this is smoke season, but the lack of smoke right. uh, regarding this guy is beyond me that um, they're not talking about it. And I think a lot has to do with the media because the media is so turned off by anything to do with Oregon football. It cracks me up. Like, they're good college players, but... They right. never transition into in the NFL, and I don't know. I, I watched this kid at, at his pro day. I watched him uh, 
Um, you know, obviously late in the season last year and when they took those wheels off, everything I've seen from him, smart kid, six foot four, cannon of an arm, runs like the wind that nobody gives him any credit for. So I just, as opposed to a kid in Tua, not saying that he's not bad, but Tua was anointed the next coming shortly after his first year. I mean, that was it. He was the greatest thing in the world, but two ankle surgeries later and now a uh, a broken hip, and we're still considering him just to be hands down. And if it wasn't for, and everyone keeps pointing out to the LSU game where he wasn't healthy and he went toe to toe with Burrow. Yeah, uh, okay, and and ultimately, who finished the season? You know, I mean, if you can't stay yeah. healthy, I'm just not sold that Tua and maybe according, you know, the the bet you just mentioned there and that line. Right. Guys, I'm not sold. Two is the first, the next quarterback off the board. I'm really not. So that two and a half number to me seems real juicy sitting out there because I'm not buying it. I don't think teams are sold on a guy that's been on the knife three times in three years as a 24-year-old. Yeah, with an NFL mm. offensive line in yes. front of him. <laughs> you know? and, and here's the other thing. I find this, and I find this in fantasy sports all the time, like when I'm talking about a fantasy football draft mm-hmm. or fantasy baseball People are so short-sighted, and they only look at, like, last year. You know what I mean, Joe? And sometimes you have to look at a larger body of yep. work. And if you look at a larger body of work, okay, a year ago at this time, people didn't know who Joe Burrow was. Right. Okay, he was like a transfer from Ohio State, all right? But a year at this time, Justin Herbert, a lot of these same draft nicks that are out there, they had Justin Herbert rated ahead of Daniel Jones. Yep ahead of Dwayne Haskins, okay? He was a blue-chip guy that decided to come back to Oregon. Um, part of the reason, Joe, is because his younger brother was like an All-American prospect at tight end, you yep, mentioned. And correct. he wanted to like go back to school and play with his younger brother. I can't fault him for that. Nope. You know what I mean? To be big men on campus nope. in Eugene together. But if you look, okay, a year ago, no one knew about Joe Burrow, but everyone was comparing Justin Herbert to these guys who went in the first round last year and comparing them favorably. Yep. Okay, so I, I think that's part of what we need to know as well. And everybody a year ago was so enamored with what Tua did, whether it be in the championship game a few years back or what have you. I think we have to broaden our perspective instead of only thinking about the flavor of the month. I agree, Dan. And, and to me, I'm looking for what I'm not hearing as opposed to what I right. am hearing. And it's uh, for a guy like, and a great point by you, that was considered a first, the first round pick last year um, and decided to go back to school. Now, all of a sudden, somehow he's what? Now he's not. He doesn't have those same talent. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And I think that obviously for any of these quarterbacks. Listen, and correct me if I'm wrong. He led his team to a Pac-12 championship in a Rose Bowl victory, right? I, I don't get it. I, like, I'm, I'm so confused. And I don't buy it. I, I do think that uh, teams are, because of the narrative surrounding him created by the media, uh, and these aren't scouts, it's the media, then there's really no need to talk about it. There's no need to let anybody know, really, that you might be interested with him because the consensus is, eh, you know, it's all right. There's other guys with higher ceilings. I don't know about that. I really don't. And the other thing I'm more fascinating with, too, and the more and more we start to hear is, of course, this quarterback situation with New England, but more and more people over the last couple of days uh, seem to think that New England with their pick in the 20s there are might very well go quarterback, but it's not the quarterback people think. More and more people starting to talk about Jalen Hurts to New England as the perfect kind of exactly what Bill Belichick needs to take into the next decade here, Dane. That style of quarterback, which apparently the league seems to be going to a lot of. So interesting concept. Um, Stidham is more of the prototype of what we would expect, or right, what we've kind of come to expect. Um, But it's very interesting that that name keeps coming up with with Bill Belichick. I, I think from a mentality standpoint where that kid wants to win, that kid's got a chip on his shoulder. He's exactly the kind of football player Bill Belichick uh, would want, but Belichick was never a guy to put an awful lot of stock. He needs a leader. He, you know, he wants a leader, doesn't need a guy with a cannon on, needs a guy to be accurate and make smart Do decisions. <laughs> Do your job, right? He doesn't need, you know, anything else. He doesn't value the quarterback position in that way 
-hmm. Can you deliver it on time? Can you deliver it to the right guy? I don't care if you can throw it 90 yards on a flight. Doesn't make a difference. If you're only completing 50% uh, of your passes, you're useless to me. So that's always what Belichick is. It'll be interesting to see how he addresses it. And could he be? Could Jalen Hurts wear a uh, New England uh, uniform there when it's all said and done? That is really the future of the NFL, is it not? Listen, I do think it's possible. Joe, you know this. You've been doing shows with me now mm -hmm. for over a year. I have talked about how the NFL is moving yeah. to these dual-threat quarterbacks. Look at all these guys that are MVP candidates, whether it's Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, yep. Lamar Jackson. You have to now have this added element to the game. You're right. They like Stidham, but he is a more prototypical pocket passer. Right. And so you talk about Jalen Hurts, listen, and we also know Belichick has the connection with Saban. We also know he was there in Alabama, likes the kid. He then went to Oklahoma, which yep. is, you know, other good environments and coaching to be in. Joe, if you are hearing that, there are plenty of ways to make money on Jalen Hurts. Okay? Really? Yeah. So let's let's uh, let me go through all you know, these kind of right. bets and tell me, how would you like to play this, right? Because there's literally a prop bet. What round will Jalen Hurts be drafted? And it's 10 to 1 that he's a first-round pick, okay? You got plus 130 as uh, round 2 and okay. round 3. So I think that is interesting, right? Then they literally, though, have, for the quarterbacks, Joe, like over-unders on their positions, on where their draft slot will be. And if you think that there's going to be a taker, whether it's New England or otherwise, on Jalen Hurts, because other front offices are realizing that this is the way to go. We need this kind of dual threat. The guy's character, he's a winner, whatever the case may be. I told you about Herbert and Tua, and Jordan Love also has a prop bet that's, you know, in the middle of the first round. Yep. But then... Remember these other quarterbacks we're talking about, and we've pontificated on them with the idea of will there be four and a half or more quarterbacks in the first round. Jacob Eason, who's another quarterback, supposed to have a rocket arm, yep. right? All those characteristics of the old era that you would scout. His prop bet is at 47 and a half. Mm. 47 over under. That puts you in the middle of the second round. round right. Another one who we've talked about, the Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. His total is uh, pick 57 and a half. So late second round, by my count. The Jalen Hurts prop bet, Joe, is 62 and a half. In essence, the end of the second round. So if you're hearing word that the Patriots may have, uh, may like him, mm -hmm. they don't even need to use their first round pick. No. Any team doesn't even need to use their first round pick. So I don't know. Do you want to maybe take a shot at plus 130 that he gets drafted in the second or third round? Or maybe take the under that a team takes a chance on Jalen Hurts, you know, Pretty much by the end of the second round. It's interesting. I, and I would, Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah. Coming into the draft, kind of the same conversation, right? Nice kid, really, you know, good above the shoulders, um, but he's not big enough. He, he doesn't throw the ball enough. He doesn't, you know, and then all of a sudden, the end of the first round comes during that draft, right? And voila. Uh, well, somebody moves up to get him, and now look at what he has done in this league. I, I mean, the similarities to me uh, with Jalen Hurts from a perspective anyway is the same type of thing. Ah, he's never going to make it. He's not big enough. He didn't throw enough. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Yeah, he's fast. But um, to me, it's very, very interesting. And I think there's great value. You bring up a great point. I think there's a lot of value in the possibility of another guy not being talked about you know what I mean? And Jalen Hurts, that to me, I, it's eerily similar to what we were saying about Lamar Jackson, the same situation. Good college guy, doesn't translate into the NFL. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, you know, but I, I think you're right. that. And remember, for some of these bets that you can make money on Jalen Hurts right. this, in the draft in a couple of weeks, yeah. all it takes is one, Joe. Yeah. All it takes is one front office, one head coach to be like, that's the piece of clay I want to mold for my system, right? And so if you look at some of these bets where, you know, it would be multiple teams passing multiple opportunities to take a guy like Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, I think at least someone will pull the trigger. Yep. And if you agree, you can make some cash on it. Yep, absolutely correct. All right, and coming up here, guys, we got uh, uh, Dane and I last uh, baseball season, uh, October, November, had a lot to say about the, uh, the juiced ball. And yeah. one of the question marks uh, surrounding this season is, what kind of ball are we going to get, even when they play? 
Uh, are we going to see a home run, uh, you know, every uh, two at-bats here? Or what, what are we going to see? And I think we've come up with, uh, with some data here and some information that will help uh, point us in the right direction, saying that we weren't crazy. We'll talk about that coming up next. Here it is, the early line on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to the early line on the grid. It is sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as uh, we continue to push along here for uh, Major League Baseball season to come back. And uh, the more and more that we hear, uh, at least we have a clearer sense of how it's going to get back and best case scenario, worst case scenario. And if they do decide uh, to play baseball at any time this year, Dan, in the 2020 season, one question that has to also be answered, and it's certainly one that we've been talking about for a while, is yeah. um, I'm just curious, what ball are we using here this year? And, I, and I, we laugh at it, but the reality is there is no doubt in anybody's mind. And if there is, you're just not paying attention. Uh, but certainly from a handicapping standpoint, right. um, you don't think that ball was juiced last year. You are out of your mind. The numbers tell the real story of what was going on there. And then you'll have people that point to the, well, the playoffs, Dane, they didn't, they weren't launching balls all over the place. Well, we now, and you and I have been saying, that's because they probably weren't using the same balls. And people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. Well, everyone was all of a sudden a scientist telling us, oh, the weather, it's changing up. Right. Okay. So the truth is, uh, recently, we ended up getting a, uh, an actual scientist. <laughs> an actual person uh, that got a hold of the a number of balls that were used in the playoffs uh, yep. last year, using the, 19, the 2019 playoffs. And what they found uh, was sports data scientists who study these types of things, guys, all the time. Dr. Meredith Wills, she got those batch of balls, right? She tested all of them. And what she found was there were some balls that were used during last season in the, in the pile, in the group, right? But there were a number of other balls that were produced and used from the 2018 season. Hey. Now, the numbers told us that 2018, guys, and 2019, especially the regular season, night and day when it came to home runs, guys, night and day. Um, so the fact that there were balls created no later than 2018 that were in rotation in the playoffs, I think that tells you a lot about why the outcome that we had in the playoffs didn't reflect necessarily what we saw during the regular season, which was, you know, 15 to 14 was just home runs all over the place, Dane, which drove handicappers absolutely crazy trying to catch up with the juiced ball and it was juiced, and it was completely out of control. But then all of a sudden, the playoffs, and we talked about it the whole time during it, like, all right, what are we going to get? Guys watching the ball off the bat at, at, that didn't turn out to be home runs. Like, all of a sudden, right? We're like, what the hell was that? How come that ball didn't leave the park? The Yankees uh, yep. taking on the, uh, you know, the Astros. We look at some of these games where guys literally hit the ball, stood there, and fought. It was gone, but you know what? wasn't gone. And we heard every excuse in the world. Oh, it's you know, it's it's the end of the season, the weather, the bo the balls were being used from 2018. That was what was going on there. So I find it very fascinating that that bunch of balls did not include specifically the balls made in 2019, but rather balls used years prior, where we did not have you know, over 6,200, 6,300 home runs in a season, Dane. Um, call me crazy, but I think that's proof that there was a little something different with that ball last year. You know, there was the eye test where mm -hmm. we all saw it and heard the crack of the bat and we're like, why is that one not going out of the ballpark? There was the, uh, you know, we heard testimonials from pitchers yep. who were able to just feel the balls and understand what year they probably came out for, whether the seams were raised or not. Yep. You know, and this kind of study, like you mentioned, that came out uh, a couple of days ago. And there's also just the pure numbers of it, Joe. Okay, in 2018, there were 1.15 home runs hit per game. 
in 2009. And remember, that previous year was already a spike right. from what we had seen in, you know, earlier on in the decade and what have you. In 2019, that went up to 1.39 home runs a game. And you hear 0.15 to 0.39. You don't think it's that much. But when you extrapolate that over all 30 teams, over all 162 games, not only was it a lot more offense, but the other thing was that it made games take longer, Joe. Okay, Not only the home runs, but I've talked about this idea of the three true outcomes, right? And that's also the strikeouts and the walks. Okay, And these are things that take time. And we're in this day and age with launch angle where people don't care if you strike out, right? So strikeouts were up. Walks were up. Yep. were up, and that's why games are taking a lot longer. And then in the playoffs, though, Joe, they kind of found the middle ground, and it went, although we must acknowledge a much smaller sample size, right, a playoff season versus a regular season, I acknowledge that, but it did go down to 1.28 home runs in the playoffs, and that's with teams that are home run hitting teams, yep. right? Some of the top home run hitting teams across the regular season were in the playoffs, whether it be the Yankees, whether it be the Minnesota Twins, whether it be the Houston Astros, yep. whether it be the Los Angeles Dodgers. These were playoff teams. Okay, so they were in there, the big boys, and the numbers still went down. I think it's very important here, Joe. You talk about the sports investing world, right? We were we were saying, yo, run totals were, you know, seven and a half was the new six and a half. That's correct. In baseball and how profitable it was to bet the over on some of these games, right? Especially when the bullpens would get into the process. From my fantasy sports standpoint, it's also very important to understand how these stats were in essence being warped. That's correct. You know, right? Because here's the thing. You know, it's kind of like we say, Joe, like the value of the running back position mm -hmm. in football and how it's being devalued. Well, the value of the home run hitter, the value of the slugger, was warped when literally the Minnesota Twins had eight guys who hit like 25 home runs. That means overall, it's not as hard to get that stat, to get that category filled in your fantasy baseball team. Yeah. And so if that's going to be the case again, and everyone's going to be hitting 25, 30 home runs, then I may need to prioritize guys that can still steal bases. Yes. I may need to, because that market is going to dry up. You know, if every random middle infielder can now bop 33 home runs, cool. Then I don't have to go out and search for that. What I need to go out and search for are guys that can hit 310. Yeah. What I need to search for are guys that can still, you know, steal bases, score runs. And, and we just have to, whether it's as sports investors or as fantasy players, we have to know what the market is. We have to know what stats are real or not. And we talked about it all last year, Joe. So the idea that they may return to the old balls because they kind of know that it went a little out of control. Yes, they did. Yep. to know as you're getting prepared for your fantasy baseball drafts or to start betting on MLB. And uh, listen, it was, you just so also happened to have in the World Series last year, uh, two of the best hitting teams, contact sure. hitting teams in, in the league. So, um, it, you know, th their ability to be able to put the ball in play, which is really the problem with the, the timing of games has to do with the fact that Everything that happens doesn't involve anybody fielding the ball. Right. Uh, it's either a home run, you're striking out, or you're walking, and there's really no reason for guys to get involved in the game, and that's the problem. And that has slowly but steadily been increasing, and yeah. it has a lot to do with the strikeouts, and it also has a lot to do, I think, with the, um, the philosophy of hitting where everything's, an upper, uh, everything's uppercut. Like, either I'm going to hit a home run, I'm going to strike out, I don't care especially now that the ball was flying out of the park last year at, uh, to the tune of almost 6,800 home runs, guys, which is unfathomable. That is, that's the problem. So now you've got three pitch, you know, you got three hitter minimums coming in now, right? Uh, 20 second reviews, uh, those types of things. But the reality is the problem and the reason that games have been taking so, so long has a lot to do with the fact that guys are either striking out, walking, or even last year, we're hitting the home run. So I, I think they realized at some point last year, holy crap, this is getting out of control, which is why they did not continue with it in the playoffs, which is why you are, it wasn't that they ran out of balls, guys. Major League Baseball owns Raleigh. Yes. So they, for them to include batches of balls made in 2018 as opposed to 2019, why would that happen?
Why in the world? Because they were just left around and we didn't want to go to waste? Yeah, I don't think so. That fall, way different than what was in 2019. Otherwise, Dane, there is no reason to right. include batches of 2018 made baseballs in a 2019 World Series. Makes zero sense to me. They were juking the stats, guys. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. Yep. You know, we see this in every industry, whether it's reporting of cases of COVID-19, yep. crime statistics, or home run statistics. What do you know, Joe? Yep. Yep. Right after Major League Baseball went on strike in 94, oh, then we had Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa to bring fans back. Chicks dig the long ball. Remember yes, that's that? correct. Yep. And that's what this is, okay? So when there's competition now from the NBA, from the NFL, and so many other options offense reigns supreme okay and that's part of what was done i think they realized though it went a little bit too far it warped it so much yep. for a sport joe that also cares so much about its history and record books they knew that it was you know getting a little out of control that's and right. i do believe, yeah maybe this is tinfoil hats conspiracy theory but they knew that they had a problem on their hand because it looked a little bit fake and games were taking too long. And this is not new, Joe. Remember, I don't know, decades ago when Moneyball came out, part of what it was, right, was see as many pitches as possible to, you know, get the pitch count up and get to the bullpen of teams. That's why Yankees-Red Sox games were going four and a half hours long because everybody wanted to walk. That's okay, right. Walks are up. With this launch angle and the ball flying out, everyone's taking this kind of uppercut swing because it's more beneficial. Home runs are happening at a ridiculous rate. And a byproduct of that is, hey, if yep. you're going to bang some over the fence, it's okay if you swing and miss and hit 220. So strikeouts are going up as well. You put all of these, and it's a perfect storm to almost kind of warp the game to a place where you have to understand it and acknowledge it, take account for it yep. when betting or playing fantasy. You had, uh, you had the statistics from 2015 up, you, yeah. where we continued to see a rise in those walkouts, yep. uh, the, you know, the walk strikeouts and home runs, oh, right? So yeah. through 2015, this keeps rising. And then what happened is it would ultimately culminate in the postseason and then pick up in the start of the next season and continue the rise right. um, until it got off the charts last regular season. But something... Really crazy happened in the playoffs because it leveled out um, and it started to go the other way. And that doesn't happen, and it has not been happening since 2015. It's continued to rise where we've gotten one of those three true outcomes, guys, and it just kept taking off. And then all of a sudden, I'm expected to believe that with the ball used in 2019 with the rate of home runs like it was, somehow that's just going to level off? that it, when it hasn't leveled off over the last four years? Um, yeah, no, and I think the, the realization that those, uh, those new balls there uh, were being used were totally different than what was being used in 2018. And think about it, from 2015, 16, 17, yeah. 18, the climb was gradual, guys. Then all of a sudden it went buck wild last year on those baseballs being used. And then in the playoffs, you change the baseball, and then everything levels off suddenly. And I think that's going to be real interesting to see. What are we going to deal with this year? What right. are they going to use? Because if, if you want games to be over in two hours, two and a half hours, then something's got to change philosophically. And I don't know that you can change that overnight. Um, but either the ball has to change and you can't be having 6,800 home runs, uh, or you got to get people to realize that they got to put the bat on the ball is more important than anything else right now i don't the best you can hope for to me and look at how many pitchers starting pitchers went um six innings or more seven yeah innings six innings or more. or more so in there were 33 starting pitchers in the playoffs 33 out of 74 went at least six innings or more that does not happen if you're using that same ball in a regular season it, you're not happening in the playoffs guys so to me I think the evidence is pretty clear. You don't have to be a rocket science or a scientist at all to figure it out. Why use balls made from a previous year only in the playoffs? So, so here's the thing. And I think we're right to start to talk about this, Joe, right? What will be the impact of the ball right. when we do return? You mentioned another thing that is happening this year whenever they mm -hmm. come on back. Right. Okay, and, and, and that's the three batter minimum. 
right? We talked about this. This is another collectively bargain change because a lot of this, Joe, right, the idea of, okay, offense, that's one thing, but it was pace of play. Yeah. Games were taking too long, Joe, right? And so another thing that happened, and this was supposed to reduce mound visits. Right. Remember they had the thing of how many mound visits you can have, and now it's the idea that these guys have to face three batters. I, this changes the way you would handicap baseball as well. This changes the way you would play fantasy baseball as well. There are stud relievers that come in in the eighth inning, the Josh Haters, the Dylan Batanzas of the world, the specialists, right? And sometimes you like having those guys on your team because they have a great strikeout rate and their whip is really, really low. Yep. But if these guys are now forced to face at least three batters and are not the situational lefty or coming in, you know, that's going to change their statistics. That's going to change the way you handicap a game because it's not only about having, you know, a great bullpen or right. different parts of the bullpen. These guys got to be able to get righties and lefties out. That's another thing, you know, as we start to come back, whether it's in Arizona or on a ship or in the Bahamas, when we start to come back, we're going to have to figure out how to handicap this, Joe. Yes. What does that mean for over-unders? What does that mean? Are, more te are some teams better equipped for this than others in fantasy are we devaluing the home run because it's now a dime or dozen mm -hmm. you know and i think these things are going to be very very interesting and we're going to start to talk about them as we come back for another reason i, I want to talk about later in the week how would you use the 26th man on your roster john right, right. i think it's very interesting and i think teams could do it a different way and we should talk about that as well yeah it's um a, a lot of questions as to when they start where they start that's all fine and dandy um, but take it another step further. You, you better be asking yourself, what ball are they using, guys? Because there is a clear difference between baseballs made in 2018 and 2019. And will they use 2019 baseballs in this year's postseason? Um, I, I, you know, the 2020 baseballs have already been made. We'll know once they get out there, Dane, as far as whether or not what, the, what we can expect from them. But you've got to take a look, guys, because that's, a lot of that is going to depend on what the books are laying the lines out and how you can approach handicapping these games. So a lot to get to still. We'll dive into more of that throughout the week. In the meantime, stay safe. Come back and join us again tomorrow. Dane and I will be here on the early line. It is sportsgrid.com. Thanks for stopping by. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.